you don't have to ha- add something to that checklist every single week. In fact, what works best is to have no new technique on the week that you introduce a new model. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, it's convention season. Yes. Uh, And 2021 looks like it will be different than 2020 in that regard. Yes. I think in 2020, you went to one half of one convention. I think that was about (laughs) it. Yes. And then everything got shut down. And now you've been out a couple times. Well, yeah, it was in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And then the very next week, South Carolina. And then... St. Louis, St. Mm-hmm. Charles mm-hmm. for the great homeschool there. And yep. so far, uh, pretty much everything's still on. Yep. No, no cancellations that I know of at this point. So right. it's good. It's good to be back out, you know, meeting people, mm-hmm. seeing old friends, hearing stories. I, I particularly enjoy interacting with children. So I like conventions where there's kids that will, you know, talk to you. And yeah. sometimes they want my autograph because they saw me on a video. Yes. Sometimes they want to give me a letter or a story they wrote and lots of pictures. So right. it's been great. And of course, so many new homeschoolers are having the opportunity to go to a convention for the very first time. Right. And I'm guessing there's going to be 10, 20% of convention attendees are relatively new to homeschooling and that world. Right, right. Did you know, I, I learned this years ago, and you probably know this, but maybe our listeners don't know this. There are many full-time teachers who attend homeschool conventions just to get ideas for their oh, classroom. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I think more and more. Yes. and uh, Especially because of the virtual learning that they're having to do in some cases. Right. And, and of course, hybrid, you know, mm-hmm. hybrid schools and programs and charters. Uh, a lot of times uh, those people are very interested to learn more about the homeschool world because so many of their uh, clientele live in that world. So right. to make a good fit between right. you know, a, a teacher or a tutor in a hybrid school and the homeschool family, the more everyone can learn about each other, the better that'll go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know I first heard about the Institute for Excellence in Writing at a homeschool convention in Southern California in 1995. 1995? Yes. That would have had to be the first year I ever went to. Well, you were not there. I wasn't even there. No, you were not there. But in you fact, heard about it from... I heard about you. So a friend of mine, it might have been 96. Nope, it was 97. Okay, but it was right in that <laughs> range, right? And I was looking for a writing program to teach my then elementary, middle school aged boys, because we had started this program. And 
we had instructors coming. You know, people do it all the time now, but at the time it was kind of this rare thing to do a co-op, a formal co-op that I had run. And we just could not find a good writing curriculum. And my friend said, hey, the people over at Beautiful Feet Books know of this guy. Mm. And I called that guy. And, <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. This is history. Right. But I do remember... My son, actually, after a couple of years, he was then in high school helping you out at one of your booths. Oh, I'm not yeah. even sure you were there. Oh, I have a picture of it. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And and so the, the IEW booth was much smaller than Well, Andrew. that's what I was thinking. You know, I, I don't really ever do the booth anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, we have wonderful exhibitors who love True. representing us and... And it's very efficient. So they basically get the stuff and set it all up according to the plan we give. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just get to show up. And But it, it is significantly different in terms of the space we need. Yes. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, you know, with the abundance comes a little bit of potential for overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So a new homeschool family who heard from a friend, mm-hmm. you know, about IEW. They look on the map. They navigate to the booth, they look at it and stand there kind of deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Where do I start? What is right, this? Right. Because we don't have, you know, neat little boxed curriculum packages and all that. And it's interesting, you know, the very first few conventions that I went to, and this is so kind of beautifully, not quite ironic, just beautiful. I think the first convention I was invited to homeschool convention as a speaker was Oklahoma City. Oh, interesting. Yep. And I had never been to Oklahoma before. Oh, well, and here you are. And I (laughs) came and I thought that went really well. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And uh, never in my wildest thoughts would I have imagined living in Oklahoma. Right. But, but you know, in the beginning, what did I have? I had VHS videos. Mm -hmm. The first set was just four videos, and then after 99, it became six videos plus one student workshop of your choice. Mm -hmm. The book that I had put together Mm -hmm. is about half as long as our current book. Mm -hmm. And then just some miscellaneous stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Guide to Powerful Paragraphs. I think that was still on your menu. Uh, We also had, I think, that set of... uh, Source texts, mm, right? And, and it was just uh, an envelope of some, you know, articles and stories and pictures. Yes, you had some for units one and two, some and for that, some for four and six, and some for five. You didn't have anything for three at that time, not the very beginning. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And so people would say, "Well, how do you do this?" And it was very easy. Right. You watch the teacher seminar, and then you create your lessons that have interesting source texts that are at an appropriate reading level at or below the reading level of the students. You simply gather these things together for each unit. Uh, You have extra source texts on the side for the students who can do more and want to. And that's the way we've been teaching it to people in Gruard for, you know, 10 years. So You forgot the checklist. Yeah, they also need the checklist too. Well, yeah, they have to design Their own checklist. So they design everything. Yes. But they know how. Yes, exactly. You know, in retrospect, it's kind of amazing that with that minimal amount of information and help, there were so many people who were able to be successful. Okay, so this is me sitting on this side of the table 
as Andrew's talking about how easy it is and how many people were able to be successful, this is one of those rare times that I can't tell if he's joking or not well, because okay. I know the truth. The easy it was not slightly easy. sarcastic, <laughs> but the successful people, that had to be true. Otherwise, we wouldn't have kept growing. If we didn't have parents and teachers out there doing it, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be more people wanting to do it in right. the same way. But it wasn't until, I believe, 2001 that we had the very first of the theme-based writing lesson books. And that was the same time or slight, shortly before, because Bible-based was the very first Bible-based writing lessons. Yep. These were lesson plans. That's originally what you called them was lesson plans. This is going to help you plan your lessons to teach teaching to teach structure and style. Yes, to and your the book student. was conveniently thin mm-hmm. because it really only had three parts for each lesson. Exactly. The, the model is part of the unit structure. So each lesson would have a source text corresponding to the model, a little bit of practice for the stylistic techniques, and then the checklist that would add the new style techniques and correspond right. to the model. And that was about it. Right. No teacher's uh, no book. No teacher's book. No blanks already filled in. Mm-hmm. No vocabulary. No mm-hmm. uh, enrichment. None of that stuff that you know people so appreciate now. But it worked. It worked. Well, and then through the – okay, then shortly – was it shortly after that or at the same time – you produced the student writing intensive videos. That was right around the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been doing it uh, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. I would just fly to a city mm-hmm. and I would teach the kids mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. four days in a row, mm-hmm. two hours and 45 minute class, four days in a row. Uh, and in the beginning, I limited to 12 students. And I remember the days of sitting in the hotel the night before, putting together, you know, 36 binders and handwriting the tabs and being sure I oh, had all word. the papers organized. Wow. And, you know, I would spend hours the No day wonder before. you limited it to 12. <laughs> well, and then when I got confident, I went up to 18. And I think before I kind of quit doing that, I was in the 24 zone. Well, and of course, this is... What this is now about the time that you and I got connected because because of that introduction at that homeschool convention, I picked up the phone and I called IEW and lo and behold, Mr. Poudwa himself answered the phone and I said, will you please come down and teach my instructors and the parents that are a part of this program that I'm running. Oh, and by the way, could you teach some of these classes? And of course, since I was hosting the event, I made sure my boys got into your classes. Yeah. But I think we, over the years, we'd done that several years in a row. And the the four days plus for the kids plus two mm-hmm. days for parents. Yes, and, and I yeah. and I begged you to allow more and more students in, provided I could give you a competent helper yes. to pass out papers and to help with the spelling questions mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And yeah, it so. worked worked really well. Yeah. I remember the first time uh, you, there was this little chapel there mm-hmm. at, uh, at Biola, mm-hmm. and you packed in like 160-some people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pretty impressed because that was about four times bigger than any seminar I had ever managed to put together myself. So <laughs> it was a requirement to get your kids in the class, you had to go to the teacher training. So that yeah, so the 
that was the student writing intensive. Right. And then I got a very decent recording mm -hmm. of that. I had right. a bad recording in the 99. Mm -hmm. I got a better recording in 2001. Yeah, yeah. And so I started giving people the options. So I would say, step one, learn our program mm -hmm. with the TWSS. Then you have kind of these three options. One option, design your own lessons. Right. That's exactly what we teach you to do. Some people need a little help or they're very busy. I think busyness is mm -hmm. most people's impediment. You know, it's just how do you carve the time out to right. do all that planning? So if you want a little bit of help, we now have this Bible-based writing lessons. And I think right around that same time, we had the very first history-based mm -hmm. writing lessons, which only had the title being history-based because there was only one. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, U.S. history. And Lori had been teaching this, these lessons and Lori Prestake, tested yeah. them out. And uh, she's a mom of four boys, so mm -hmm. her source texts were very boy-friendly, which I have found to be really helpful. And so, and so I'd say that's you know one option. But if you want even more help, we have this student writing intensive. Right. But it was just four videos. Yeah, it's not it wasn't like a semester or a right. year. And then we realized they needed in between practice mm -hmm. lessons. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. then the uh, student writing intensive became the four videos mm -hmm. plus three or so practice assignments just like that one right. to put after right. uh, so you could stretch it out right. to you know 12 weeks or so. So if we were to hit the fast forward button and we would say now then a couple of theme-based books, student writing intensive to today we now have 14 theme-based books yep. that we can offer. And, of course, we have the marvelous Structure and Style for Students, which is not four videos. It is 24, 24. videos. And I remember the day we, we we knew we had to redo the student writing intensive and the student continuation because it was just old and dated mm -hmm. and mostly unstreamable. Yeah, that was the big deal. And then because it wasn't done as a unified project, it was there were disconnects. Mm -hmm. It didn't mm -hmm. flow through the units, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were talking about redoing this, and I said, well, why don't we just do a whole year, like 25 classes? I about fell off my chair. <laughs> I was ecstatic because that's exactly what we wanted to be able to provide our families to have a greater amount of success using our materials. Yeah. But, you know, when I'm standing in a booth, and if I happen to be there when the new person who knows little or nothing about right. IEW walks up and kind of has that glazed over, do I even want to engage here? Right. I pretty much have the same conversation, hmm. which is here's the core of what we do. Yep. Teaching, writing, instruction style for adults. Yep. This is our flagship. This Not is, only our flagship, it is unique to any other writing program. So if you're having trouble teaching your kids, whether you're in a classroom or at home or in a hybrid school situation, it may be that the method that you're using isn't conducive to what you're working with. So try our method. Our method is very different. So that's the teaching, writing, structure, and style. Well, the method is always very different than most of what anyone would ever find. Yeah. The other thing, and, and this is part of the elevator speech, what differentiates. Sure. Okay. You know, I would always say, well, one thing is we focus on the, the teacher. We teach the teacher or the teaching parent or the tutor. We teach them first mm -hmm. the whole system. Then we can offer these varying degrees of help. So my, my little spiel that I have given 
for 25 years really hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. You can do it yourself. You can get a little bit of help with a book. You can get a whole lot more help with the video. Right. I, I guess the thing, you know, a few things have changed in 20 years. One is just the the prevalence of multimedia mm-hmm. video-based instruction has really proliferated. Yeah. And parents have really liked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember meeting Steve Demi and, and Matthew C. We used Matthew C. Mm. Uh, a bit for our kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember meeting him, and he was one of the few people that had that video component. And so, you know, he said, no, this this is very effective because, you know, the parents benefit from the added angle that comes from the video. And it's fun. It's engaging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now, of course, you go to homeschool convention and there's video history and video music and mm-hmm. video geography. And and so we're just much more attuned to inviting, uh, I would say, if you will, the, the, the experts into our homeschooling world through that very, I guess, controllable mm-hmm. element of high quality yeah. video. Right. And I never would have imagined, not in a million years, the power of video. You know, people have said, well, picture's worth a thousand words. Of course, that's only true if you could write a thousand words about a picture, which is <laughs> one thing we do help people yes. do. Yes. Um, but that being maybe the case, the video's worth a million. Yeah. You, you cannot fit into a book mm-hmm. all of the nuance and interactions and what Mrs. Ingham would call intangibles. Exactly, yep. In that video experience. Mm-hmm. And every day we mm-hmm. get testimonials, you yep. know. And I love the ones where it says, you know, my my son feels like he's right in the class. He talks to the screen. He raises his hand yep. when you ask a question. Yep. I never would have imagined that response to something that seemed so kind of passive, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's part of the part of the magic of it. Right. And of course, I learned a long time ago: a live audience makes a whole lot better video than a studio video. Right. Technically, maybe the studio video has a few advantages, mm-hmm. but there's nothing like talking to real people mm-hmm. and then getting real responses. And then reacting mm-hmm. to those real responses. Well, and especially for you, Andrew, because you are so relational. So well, and that's why kids love to go get your autograph because they already feel like they're you are their writing teacher. And you know, I have I don't know if the word spied would be the exact precise one, <laughs> but I have looked at mm-hmm. video of some of people mm-hmm. who would probably be considered competitors, although Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. their system is very often so different, it's not really. Mm -hmm. But I look at those videos made just with the camera, Mm -hmm. and I just think, wow, that is not as engaging. And and I will tell you the truth. I have watched some of my own videos. Oh, you have. I don't like to. I know you don't. But what I enjoy about them isn't watching myself. What I enjoy is watching the kids. I know, I know. And, and I know the kids who watch it at home yeah. also mm-hmm. enjoy seeing, you know, their peers on screen. Yep, yep. So, but we still have the same option. Design your own lessons. Right. Buy a book and get a little bit of help, the lesson plans. You don't have to figure out what to do Monday morning. Or, you know, go with the videos. And mm-hmm. each of those has advantages 
and different costs associated. 100%. And of course, the the cheapest one, and I, we don't have much time left here, and I will say that we're going to talk more about this when you do a master class for our premium members. Right. And that is designing your own lessons. That's obviously the hardest thing to do, but it's the most costly, costly in terms of time, but not costly in terms of money. Right. But it also gives you the most flexibility in terms of dealing with a variety right. of ages and, and abilities. And when people are dealing with English as a second or foreign mm-hmm. language, uh, special needs circumstances, mm-hmm. or even high-talented, high-aptitude, you might call gifted writer kids, mm-hmm. those are the ones that it seems to be more valuable to be able to select the source mm-hmm. text and adjust the checklists. So there are a few questions that you ask yourself when you're designing a lesson. What are what are those questions? Well, the first one is really easy. What unit is this? Exactly. Um, because you want your source text to fit unit two where you take keywords from every sentence, one, unit one and two. So they can't be too long. The sentences can't be too long. Uh, whereas with unit three, you have a lot more flexibility in terms of length of story. The guiding factor would be how much time do you have to read the story and talk about mm-hmm, it. So mm-hmm. while you could do unit three with a one-page story, you could do unit three with an 18-page story right. or, or a whole book, but right. how much time do you have? <laughs> right. And uh, you know, many of our theme-based books are being used in co-ops mm-hmm. and you know, groups like Classical Conversations or Aquinas Learning. They're mm-hmm. being used in hybrid school situations where the teacher's time mm-hmm. is limited. And even in full-time classrooms, they are being used as well. Exactly. So mm-hmm. keeping the stories appropriate mm-hmm. to the content. Then Unit 4, uh, you get into that funnel, mm-hmm. and so you want to start kind of gradually. Okay, here's something with 15 facts. You get to choose six or seven. And then maybe the next Unit 4 assignment well, here's something with two paragraphs. Each have about 20 facts, and you're going to write two paragraphs, and each of them have six or seven. So now you're limiting skill. And uh, you know, selecting the source text to, to meet the unit. Uh, unit five, pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, so find pictures, um, <laughs> draw pictures, get people to draw pictures. That's fun. And then once you hit unit six, mm-hmm. then that initial period of – Let's use something like uh, what we used to use primarily was the mini books. Right. So some source texts that are contrived to have overlapping information so you can show kids and do together with them. Source outlines, fused outline, okay, final paragraph or paragraphs. And in some ways, those source texts, well, in a lot of ways, those are the hardest ones to write because of what you identified. The, there there has to be overlap for Unit 6 to work. Right. But if you can do a couple Unit 6 projects mm-hmm. with contrived source text. Exactly. Then when you say to the kids, okay, go get your own sources. Right. Hit the internet, hit the library. They know, they know so much better what to do with them. Right. In fact, I remember, I think it was year one, group A. And I, we finally took the plunge and said, okay go get your own sources. Mm-hmm. I was a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. They weren't controlled like the contrived source text I had been providing and working. They all did so well. Mm-hmm. 
I, I remember just thinking, wow, that was a perfect runway yep. for yep. them to have success. Yep. And uh, of course, we've seen that in all the other groups and beyond. I was just a little worried about that, mm-hmm. you know, youngest set, grade three to five. Yep. The second question I ask myself is, is this interesting? If it's not interesting, is it important enough to display something that might be more interesting? Mm-hmm. And and I do notice that if you can see the kids kind of get that little spark after the first couple sentences of a source text, mm-hmm. they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. They're with it. They're engaged. They're like, mm-hmm. wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get a kid to mentally say, that's cool, then – Everything goes better after that. I loved watching their kids' faces for when we were shooting the videos. Uh, as you were passing out the source text, they were eagerly pre-reading it before you got around the room to get them all those papers. They knew it was going to be yeah. something Is interesting. Is it going to be cool? Yeah. I, I think the one that surprised me uh, that we came up with for year one level B was the coconut crab. Oh, yes. <laughs> source text for, for unit six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, I ended up in 2019 doing a tour of the country, Mm -hmm. uh, taking selected lessons Mm -hmm. from the SSS Mm -hmm. and doing them just a one day, one class, two hours, two and a half hours. And uh, so I taught through that coconut crabs many times. And it's so funny, you know, I, I did it once when we recorded it and then I kind of forgot about it. And then I revisited and I thought, these are cool. Yeah, These yeah. coconut crabs are just really interesting and right. you don't know about them or hear about them. And right. they're big and colorful and have yeah. weird behaviors. So I'm always looking to catch the imagination of the most reluctant student mm-hmm. I might run into. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids who like writing and, okay, it's pretty easy for me. They're a little more easygoing. And so whatever you give them, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. But the ones who don't really like the whole process, if you can catch their imagination, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. it just goes so much better. Same with poetry. Yeah. You know, you could take a poem. It's a beautiful, great poem, but it doesn't catch the imagination of the child Mm -hmm. like a poem that has some humor or some drama or maybe a little Mm storyline. And so that. It just So that's the second question mm-hmm. I would ask myself. And the third question? Um, the third question would be, how does this source text lend itself toward the stylistic techniques? Okay. Um, and I'll give you a simple example. I have noted that I like to have a source text that allows, when possible, uh, me to use a couple of the band verbs when we introduce that Mm -hmm. temporary idea of of disallowing certain words to force them to look on a list for another one. Well, the one that's the easiest is the word said. Mm -hmm. So if I can time it and I say, okay, I want to be introducing strong verb when I have a source text where people are talking, right? (laughs) right? then that's going to be easier than if I have a source text where Mm -hmm. it's more encyclopedic and there's Mm -hmm. no real opportunity for conversation. Right. So depending on the age and aptitude of the students, you might get to strong verb in unit two with the high schoolers. So you want an Aesop fable where characters are talking. You might get to unit – you might get to strong verb in unit three Mm -hmm. with uh, younger students, maybe level B or maybe level A. So you want – that's going to be a convenient match. So I'm always looking at a source text and thinking when this thing goes into a keyword outline – 
And, and that's a good thing to do is take a little time and try to keyword outline the source text that you have selected mm-hmm. or created and see if it works for you mm-hmm. pretty easily. If mm-hmm. it doesn't, you don't want to go throwing that to kids and mm-hmm. then have everyone frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then as you're looking at that, say, okay, so I'm on strong verb. So where are some sentences that are going to need some verbs? What are those verbs? Can we add one to the band list so that we can talk about it in that context. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, and that goes with all the style techniques, mm-hmm. you know, L-Y, who, which, strong verb, because clause, quality, adjective, one, while our senses of although. Certain texts just fit better mm-hmm. with those techniques. And then once they've got the hang of it, then you don't have to be so careful a second year or a third year through. But that initial introduction goes so nicely when the style checklist expansion and the source text and the outline from it mm-hmm. kind of fit together. And right. that's just a little bit of planning. Good. Any other questions that you ask yourself when you're doing lesson planning for a new lesson that you're going to teach? Well, what's my backup in case this flops? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like any good teacher. You know, with our theme-based books, um, I know that uh, Lori Verstegen, she tested all of that mm-hmm. stuff with classes she was teaching. Mm-hmm. I have taught through Mm -hmm. several of the theme-based books Mm -hmm. myself and had input on Mm -hmm. revisions Mm -hmm. that we made. Um, Narnia, you know, Mm -hmm. I taught that through to see how that went. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple others. And uh, we're we're kind of in a process of constantly trying to make these things more consistent. Mm -hmm. So there's less potential for confusion in terms of what do you do, you know, first, second, third, fourth through the year. Mm -hmm. And um, being sure that the source texts meet those criteria right. and being sure the checklists are appropriately paced. There, there is a tendency. I think this is probably the, the thing I fell into and I think a lot of other teachers fall into. And we've tried to back this up a little bit with the source text, which is you don't have to back this up a little bit with our checklists you don't have to introduce a new style technique every single class. No. And the younger the students you're working with, the more dangerous that is. And even I thought, oh, it's a new class. i got to do something new. Whereas with the now let's have 24 mm-hmm. lessons or 32 lessons in a theme-based book, right, to last a whole year, 30 mm-hmm. or whatever. And we have some bonus stuff. Mm-hmm. But – you don't have to ha- add something to that checklist every single week. In fact, what works best is to have no new technique on the week that you introduce a new model. Yep. Just practice what you learned and do a couple like that. Then once the model is familiar, okay, now maybe right. we squeeze in the next style technique. Right. But there's no rush and you don't have to get all the dress-ups done by October, because you had six classes between the, you know, September and October's. No, relax. So that's probably the biggest point I would think of to restrain myself right. and advice I would give to new parents and teachers. Right. Well, I know it is possible to do exactly what you described because that's what I did all those years ago when yeah. I was first starting out. Because I didn't have an option. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes uh, to just put a clincher on this, Mm -hmm. sometimes I am standing at our booth at Mm -hmm. a convention and someone will walk up to me and I will think, wow, this is a fairly older looking homeschool mom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she will say, well, 
been using IEW for 20 years and it's been great. And I just finished, you know, my last kid, but I'm here with my oldest who's homeschooling their child. And, you know, I never bought any of all that stuff except your original training course. And that was enough. And I did great with all, all my kids did well. So there are people out there who learn it yep. and do it, and we may not hear from them for a long time yep. or maybe ever, yep. and yet that's still always an option. But what's I think we find very satisfying is we have so many more options. Yep. We just have to help people navigate to the right one yep. for them. Exactly. Well, thank you, Andrew. This has been very helpful. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.